Today is, it's Sunday, and anything can happen on Sunday, right? But today is a focused service on healing and deliverance. Amen. People are going to receive the Holy Ghost today. There'll be baptisms today. God will move today, but we are focusing on these specific things to meet the felt needs of this community and to also fulfill what Jesus told us to do. So I want to preach to you, God can handle the storms, demons, and sickness. God can handle the storms, demons, and sickness. You know, when Satan came against Jesus, he quoted the word to him. And so I want to read a little bit more extra word than I usually do, just to put more of that heat on the devil. A little bit more of that heat on the diabetes. A little bit more heat on that cancer. A little bit more heat on that back pain you're dealing with. Amen. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Now when he, Jesus, got in the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly a tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him, awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, for we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? And then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? And when they had come to the other side, to the country of Gergesenus, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly... They cried out saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? You have come here to torment us before the time. Now a good way off from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him saying, if you can cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled, and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the city came out to meet him. And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. And so he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, The man is blasphemies. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk, that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. God can handle the storms, the demons, and the sickness. This generation deals with a lot of things, fear, depression, and anxiety, hopelessness, no love. No hope, empty and hollow. If I could sum it up into a phrase, this generation feels like 
it has no control in their life. It feels like something else is governing them. Something else is directing them. People are not able to fulfill their dreams, not able to fulfill their hopes, not able to fulfill their ambitions. And if that is you, you are in a great place because God is in control. That's right. He is in control. He's not far off. He's not just the big guy upstairs. He's not just the higher power up there, but that higher power wants to get lower. He wants to get down right where you are at. And if you will just open up yourself to him and welcome him into your world, he'll chase that storm out of your life. He'll get that demon out of your spirit. Amen. And he will take the sickness from you. Praise the Lord. Mm. So many churches out there aren't doing this stuff. They're teaching, they're preaching just like Jesus did, just like the apostles did. But many out there have forsaken the supernatural. Now get me wrong, I love the fruit of the Spirit. We've got to have love. We've got to have joy. We've got to have peace. We've got to have gentleness. We need to have the blessed attitudes. We need to have peacemakers around here. We need to have the meek around here. We need to have all of those things. But if there is anything that God wants to do to wake up this generation, it is to see stuff happen. Visible signs, visible wonders, and visible miracles. Mm. God speaks to Moses when he's 80 years old, forgotten about his family, forgotten about his people, forgotten about Egypt. And God said, I'm not done with you. Spoke to him out of a burning bush. Now, if I heard the voice of God calling out to me out of a burning bush, I think that would be enough for me. But it wasn't enough for Moses. And you know what? We've all done it too. God calls you into something and you start saying, I can't. It's not going to happen. I can't do that. Moses said, I, I can't go. They won't believe me. He said, throw your staff down. And that staff became a serpent. And he picked it back up and it became a staff again. God said, take your hand, put it in your cloak. And when he did, his hand was covered in leprosy. God said, put your hand back in your cloak. And when he did, his hand was healed again. You would think after the staff and the serpent and healing of leprosy, Moses would have said, I'm ready. Let's go take it on right now. Let's go get Pharaoh. But Moses said, I can't talk good. I can't do this. I can't do that. God said, take some water, pour it on the ground. And when he did, water became blood. He said, I still can't do it. I don't talk good enough. They won't listen to me. God finally got angry and said, yes, you can. And your brother's going to talk to you. And Moses said, all right, I've got enough. And he walked into Egypt with four great signs and the people believed. And it set in motion the great terror against Egypt with the plagues and leading Israel out of bondage. Praise the Lord. Jesus, in the same manner, after he had preached, after he had taught, after he had died, after he had rose again, he's on the Mount of Ascension. And the Bible says many looked at him and they doubted. And Jesus looked at all of the doubters and he said a few things unto them. He said, you're going to take up serpents. You're going to cast out devils. You are going to heal the sick. You're going to baptize them in my name. And there they're going to be saved. And he said they will speak in new tongues. Mark chapter 16. 
You know what? It sounds a lot to me like what Jesus is doing. The exact same thing he did for Moses in the Old Testament to the New Testament believer. Moses had a staff and a serpent. You and I, the church, we take up serpents and cast out devils. Moses healed the leprosy. You and I lay our hands on the sick and they will recover. Moses was able to take water and turn it into blood. You and I put sinners down in the tank and they come up washed in the blood of Jesus Christ where sin has no more hold on them. You and I, amen, some of us who are timid, some of us who don't feel like we have the confidence, just wait until his spirit gets in you and you start talking in tongues as the spirit gives you the utterance. I'm talking about real miracles, real signs, real wonders right here in our altar hall, altar call, right here in our aisles, right in our narthex, right in our classrooms, right in our youth room, right in our kids' space, all over this building, all over this campus, and not only just here, but in your homes and where you work and in the street and everywhere you go. The signs of God are going to be seen in the church. Mm. Storms. You ever been through a bad one? Ugh. I remember in the summer of 2015, I was so excited to have church that Wednesday night. I had a good message prepared, you know, ready to go. But about 6 p.m., I got a few phone calls from a few of our families up north, and they said, Pastor Justin, you better look outside and see what's coming your way. And I looked outside and towards the north, it was like the storm cloud of death. I promise you, it manifested like a skull with lightning in it. It was that bad. I'm kidding, but it was bad. And I'm one of those guys, I don't really check the weather. I just kind of get up and whatever the weather does, I just kind of deal with it, you know, right? But it's kind of changing lately. And because I'm getting older, when it's cold, I don't want to go out anymore. <laughs> you know what? I just said, we're going to have church anyhow. Well, about 6.30 p.m., there's about 100 people here on campus all of our phones started dinging. Tornado warning, tornado warning. And some of our ushers got in the microphone and said, there is a tornado that has touched down. Everybody takes shelter. You can go here, you can go there. These are the places to be safe. I mean, church hadn't even started yet. Church isn't gonna start for 30 minutes. There's 100 people in here. Our ushers gave the call. Our security was doing everything it could. I would have thought that people here at this church would have used wisdom and taken shelter, but all 100 of them, Families and all went and ran out on the hill with their phones out to tape the storm. We've got that much confidence, amen, that ain't no storm going to come around here at 10400 View High Drive. But I was panicking. I started running around seeing, are there any kids in any classrooms? Is anybody in the restroom? Is there anybody here, anybody there? And I panicked. But my panic stopped when I went around the North Hall here and got back to the prayer room and I heard somebody talking in tongues. And I opened that door and saw a church mother in this church, Sister Joyce Sims, rebuking that storm, talking in tongues against that storm. I saw that sweet mother in our church. It, it looked like a warrior in there. It was tongues like I had never heard before. It was like God magnified the voice of that woman of God right there. And I looked through the windows. You ever been back there? It's a great view. I looked as that storm cloud, a tornado started coming down right for this church. But as I watched one hand, two fingers pointing at it, talking to it like this, I saw that tornado go right back up into the clouds and went east. I've come to tell you, we still got power over the weather. 
We've still got power over the storms. Praise God. Mm. Praise the Lord. You'll begin to see the sky do even stranger and stranger things as we draw closer to the end. Climate has become an obsession of this world. And there's a lot of theories and a lot of things out there. But even in Bible times, those who worship false gods who could claim that they could control the weather through their sacrifices and their offerings, God said, "Uh uh-uh, no, you can't. He sent a famine for three years. And the debate was finally settled when the prophets of Baal jumped up and leaped on that altar and began to cut themselves. And there was no fire coming down on that altar. They prayed and chanted all day. And Elijah's back there laughing, is your God on vacation? Did he need to use the toilet? Wherever he may be, he is not here. In the Hebrew Bible, it did say that he was off at the restroom. Praise the Lord. But he'd had enough. And finally, they gave up. And in the year of famine, years of famine, he poured water all on that altar. That was a sacrifice back then. In a famine, water, put a big trench around it, water, 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 just doused it with water. And he didn't have to pray. He didn't have to cut himself or he didn't have to chant. He didn't have to cut himself. He didn't have to do a ritual, but he just raised his hands under the true living God. And if you are God, prove yourself and fire fell right on that altar. And that's going to come in revelation. You will see the sky do strange things. Antichrist in this worldly system is going to do things to control weather, to strike fear into the hearts of the world. But there are going to be people that arise up who know their God and are going to be strong and do exploits. And when the time comes, I don't know if this is this generation, but you and I, if it needs to rain, we'll make it rain. If it needs to stop raining, we'll make it rain. Amen. Whatever we got to do to show that there is a real God in heaven and his name is Jesus. At any time in the Bible, something real that Jesus did, there's always an illustration to it. And there's always an allegory to it. And there's always something that it represents. Some of you, there may not be a real tornado above you right now, or a hurricane, or an earthquake. But as it were, you feel like you are being buried by life. A storm is anything in this world that is out of your control that comes against you to stop God's plan for your life. I'm here to tell you that God can calm your storm today. The peacekeeper is here and the peacemaker is here. Jesus is on his way across the sea to pray for people, to minister to people across the sea. On the other side are demon-possessed people. I would like to think that Satan stirred up that storm to try to stop the Son of God from coming in and ministering to people. He calms that storm. And when he gets there, sure enough, there they came, the demon-possessed people. Now, Israel in the time of Christ were good Jewish people. Many of them practiced the laws of God and practiced cleanliness and did things that demons really don't like to do. But because of the influence of all the nations round about, especially in that time, the Greeks, through their pagan worship, it had opened the minds and the souls and the spirits of so many to being possessed by unclean spirits. You do things that God likes, he's going to fill you up. You do things that demons like, they'll fill you up too. That's what spirits do. That's what happens. I remember as a kid, I would hear about demon possession 
but never from American preachers. You know who I heard it from? Missionaries. All missionaries coming in have those types of stories. And I remember sitting there thinking, we heal the sick, we baptize, they get filled with the Holy Ghost. Where are the demons? I would like to think that America just kept that stuff out. But here in this generation, in this lifetime, this country has been influenced by the nations round about in practicing the dark arts and other foreign things coming in through media and other aspects out there in this world. And yes, they walk among us. There are people that are demon-possessed. It's not just in the Bible. It's not just in third world countries. It's here in Kansas City. And you know where else it may be? Right here in church. The first demon that Jesus ever cast out, it was not up there in the tomb. Where was it? It was in the church, in the synagogue. And you know what I think happens? Demons want to stay hidden. They don't want to be known. They want to hide away and hang out and have their own fun in somebody's body, somebody's house, somebody's woods, somebody's territory. They want to feel like they've got ownership over something. You know what happens? When God manifested into the man, Jesus Christ, the world felt and saw something, the spirit world rather, saw and felt something it had never seen before. And it was God himself from heaven in the world. And wherever Jesus went and wherever he taught, he brought the powers of the kingdom of heaven. And even deeper than that, he brought the light to this world. So anywhere he went, the demons couldn't hide. They would start screaming and start crying out. And if they wouldn't come out, Jesus commanded them to be silent. And that is not just a Jesus thing but I believe that it is a church thing. And I believe God is raising up this church to not be afraid to engage that, to be a part of that, not be worried about it. But if we're gonna lay hands on the sick, we need to lay hands on the demon-possessed. If we want cancer to come out, I want demons to come out because I've come to make disciples. I've come to help people get their names written in heaven. And you may be going through a storm of sickness or a demon. It doesn't matter what it is. We'll help you get there. Praise the Lord. You don't know how these men became demon possessed. I've got a theory. You know, they're in the tombs. The Greeks would worship the gods of the underworld. And they would sprawl out on the ground and beat their hands and their faces into the ground and call out to the gods of the underworld, hoping that these gods from the underworld would help them in their life and provide for them and prosper them. But Jesus, the true King of Kings, the true Lord of Lords, the provider, his light shined and those demons could not handle it. And they said, if you can cast us into the swine. You know what I think was going on there? Jesus didn't want to argue with them. He saw a way that they would come out and said, sure, whatever. It would have been better because if he would have cast them out of that man, those men, you know where they would have gone? Some other people. But he put them in the swine and put them in the sea. You know what I think is going on? I watched it this past Sunday. 
Brother and Sister Espinosa have been discipling a family. Some of you saw that baptism. I saw great victory in that tank. The Holy Ghost fell in that tank and spiritual warfare happened into that tank. And I think it was symbolic of just what Jesus thinks about sin. It belongs in the sea. It belongs under the water. So it can't harm you ever again. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, it is real. I remember when I was a teenager, I would pray for people in the altar and I didn't know anything really about this stuff, but I just remember I would pray for people. If I felt like they were bound up, I would just say, I set you free now in Jesus name. And I didn't realize it, but I was casting demons out of people. They start screaming in a loud voice, falling down, collapsing, convulsing, coughing. I'm thinking that's just the Holy Ghost having his way. It is the Holy Ghost having its way, but it's getting Satan out of the way is what's going on there. Until I started becoming more and more familiar with it because Hollywood has messed it up and made it into something that it's not. Understand it, it's not beautiful, but it's really not that bad if you want to know the truth, amen. I was preaching a youth rally somewhere up north about six or seven years ago, and uh, God was moving in that place, a youth group that was just so hungry for God. And I gave the altar call, and the youth were all up front, and I started all the way over on the left just praying for young people, asking God to bless them and change their life. And I remember looking all the way down on the end. There was a youth group girl down there who was not a part of the church. She was just a guest. She had on a hoodie and her hands were in her pockets and she just was looking down like this. And so many of the young ladies of that youth group were around her trying to pray her through the Holy Ghost. I think what was going on there. Understand this, the Holy Ghost is powerful and it's for everybody but sometimes that's not where they need to go at that moment. Some people perhaps need to get a little bit of love first before that. And maybe a little bit of space. I'm going to do altar working training right now where two or three gathered around some person. That is enough. We don't need 23 of us around them. All right. Everybody say that's good stuff. All right. Don't smother the Holy Ghost. All right. And I mean, they're around her, laying hands on her, rocking her back and forth. And she's just there with her hands in her pockets going like this. And then when I was about midway through those girls, they just said, well, she doesn't want to pray or pray through. We're just going to go somewhere else. And they left her all alone. I kept praying for people, but kept her in the corner of my eye. And as I just went down the line, praying for young people. And when I got there in front of her, she just stood there with her hands in her, in her, in her hoodie pockets, just like this. And I could tell she was so distressed. And her spirit was broken. And I could tell she was hungry for God. But it was like as it were, you know, a steak is delicious. But if all you've ever eaten in your life is beans, and somebody puts a steak in front of you, it's like, wow, it's sizzling. It smells good. It's juicy. But what do you do with it? That's what she was there. She's like, I don't know what to do. And I just walked up to her and I said, do you feel God? And she just shook her head like this and I saw a little tear come out of her eye and I knew it's about to go down. Mm. I just started to pray for her. And keep in mind, all I'd seen was the hands in the pockets and the head like this and the hoodie over the head, other kids praying. I mean, it was, it was a godly atmosphere, a powerful move of God like we like to do. But as I began to pray for her, I began to feel something that I was very uncomfortable with. 
And I opened my eyes while I was praying for him. By the way, I recommend when you're praying for somebody, keep your eyes open. You'll see stuff. And when I opened my eyes, I looked around her neck and saw what looked like a snake. Looked like tar. Just this snake with no eyes, no mouth. It just looked like a big just tar around her neck. Horrible looking thing. And it shocked me and I backed up. But I only gave that fear about two or three seconds. And I knew if I can see this, then God can see this and he is right here. I started coming against that thing. I started speaking against that thing. And even that girl looked up at me in terror, like what is happening to me. And I started coming against that unclean spirit. And whenever I began to pour that name on and the blood on and the power of God on, I saw that thing crumple up and fall down and disappear on the ground. I said, young ladies, help me, help me, help me, help me. They came around her. It went about 30 seconds. She was talking in tongues as God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Mm. New disciples are going to come here and their lives are not going to be good. They're going to be crying out, I'm in a storm about to die, save me. And many of them will come crying, seeking for God, filled with the devil. That's what's going on in this country and in this world. You know what I found out? I feel like I'm in a good spot right to tell you what was going on. I found out that just that 14-year-old girl, her parents forced her to have an abortion just two weeks before that. And was involved in all kinds of mess. But Jesus' love is so great. He forgives the murderer. He forgives the witch. He forgives those that are involved in perversion. And it doesn't matter what binds you. It doesn't matter what holds you. The Lord Jesus Christ and the power that is on that cross. And the power that's in his blood. And the power that's in his name. And the power and the faith of the church of the living God. You will be set free. Amen. Mm. Not everybody is possessed, but it's on the external. And some of you have been having nightmares and odd thoughts throughout the day and tormenting ideas entering into you. Don't think for one minute that that is just you, but oh no, the devil tried to take down Jesus and he failed. And if he'll try to take down Jesus, he'll try to take down you and I. We want to pray with you today. You don't have to fight alone. You don't let to have the devil have his way. But I believe there are some people like David that say enough is enough. I'm bringing back the glory of God to go and fight the enemy and Take back what belongs to me. Amen. Praise God. Mm. You think when he got back to the other side of the sea, they would have been celebrating and everything would have been perfect. Oh, no, there's a man there that can't walk. And people there that don't believe in what Jesus is doing. But he stoops down there and says to that man, your sins are washed away. Your sins are forgiven. And he looked at the men that didn't believe in him. And he said, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you or arise up and walk. And he knew he trapped them because if he could do a miracle only that God can do, he could forgive sins like only God can do. And he said, arise up and walk. And the man's sins were forgiven in that moment. No longer was he back bound to a bed, but he started not only walking in this life, but started walking with God. I've come to tell the sick here today, you're going to walk out of your healed. You're going to walk out of your whole. You're going to walk out of here healthy. 
You're going to walk out of here well. Woo! Stand with me, church. It's just not in the pages of the Bible, but it's present here, and the power is here right now to deliver, right now to bring a calm to your life, right now to drive out unclean spirits out of you, right now to help you be made whole. Don't leave here still broken. Don't leave here still hurting. Don't leave here still empty. Don't leave here still wondering, what am I going to do? But the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is here present. God can do anything that you need him to do here in this altar call. But we have been praying. We have been fasting. We have been working together to accomplish these great things for somebody that truly, truly needs it. There are people here that feel so trapped. I don't know who that was that's crying. It's coming to you right now. If you're going through a storm right now, don't worry about what anybody thinks. It's a judgment-free zone around here. You want to know the truth? If you walk out and leave, we might judge you a little bit for that. But if you come forward to this altar, there is love here. There is hope here. I'm talking to a parent right now. You don't know what to do with your child. The Lord help deliverance happen for children. Bring your child up here right now. God's going to honor your faith. You're going through a trouble. You're going through a major storm. You're going through a problem. I wouldn't walk out of here without talking to the Lord about it. You've got demons in your life and you know it. Today is your day. You're sick in body and you know it. Get on up here and watch God do what he does. You're in a hospital right now and the great physician is coming by and he wants to do a work in you, a miracle in you. Amen. Anybody who just needs the presence of the Lord, anybody in here, you're hungry to see miracles happen in your own life. You want to heal the sick. Amen. Come down here and get the power of God working inside of you. You want to see devils cast out of people. Don't leave here without praying to God about it and say, I want that power working in my life. Anybody here, amen. You want to chase storms away. You want to chase unclean spirits away. You want to see the dead raised. You want to see those who are paralyzed be healed. Amen. Come on down here. This is where it happens, right after the preaching around the altar call. If there's anybody that's hungry for the supernatural, it's here. If there is anybody that's hungry for the true workings of God, it's here. God hasn't given up on the sick. He's still healing. God hasn't given up on those who are tormented. He's still healing. Amen. As it were, God is not asleep permanently, but he'll still get up and calm the storm. Hallelujah. It's happening right now. Deliverance is happening right now. I feel it. 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 I feel it in this place. Anybody who's broken, anybody who's hopeless, it's yours here today in Jesus' name. Come on, we'll be here for a while. Don't leave without it. Don't leave the same. Come on down and be changed.